Hello and welcome to the Growth Adventure Podcast. I am excited today. We have a first, not just a husband and wife duo, a husband and wife duo who work together. So welcome Jackie and Seth Morales. Thank you. Jackie is the Chief Marketing and Innovation Officer for the Morales Group, and Seth is President and CEO. They are a second-generation family member in a family business, founded, I will let them say, when the date was founded. Seth or Jackie, I'll turn it over to you. Yeah, 2003, July of 2003. Wow, we didn't know what we were doing back then, 2003. We had two founders. Uh, one was my father and the other one was a fraternity brother and partner of his from Purdue University. And the two got together and put this business to life. And uh, it's been an interesting past 18, almost 19 years. And uh, yeah, BNG2, you know, my role, I've been with the company 17 years and I was employee number five. So I came in early and then Jackie came in pretty much right after me, about a year or two after. And she's been here 14 or 15 years. 14, 14 years. Yeah. So she started around this time in January, 14 years ago. So it's gone by quick. Andrew, I know you can relate, man. You've, you've been with the team, GNA, for quite some time. It's been an interesting story for sure. Yeah. And we absolutely are going to uh, touch on some of the family business dynamics here. Yeah. But I, I just have to tip of the cap that you managed to work Purdue University into like your second sentence. So. <laughs> I guess, boiler up, yes. somebody who did not uh, get a degree from there. Yeah. So one of the things before, and, and we are absolutely going to talk about Morales Group as a business, but uh, one of the things I wanted to ask both of you off the top is a lot of the passion, values, vision around your company is around helping people succeed. Could you maybe talk a little bit both about your father's passion around that, as well as how that has translated down, not just through you, but through the rest of the company and kind of how that impacts the broader community? You know, I would say that my father-in-law, Seth's dad, has a heart for giving. And so I, I know that when he started this, that was at the root of what he wanted to do was to lift those initially in the Latino community up. And so he wanted to build the business around that. And so as we came into the fold in the last eight to 10 years of being part of the leadership, we really got around what it means to, to weave that heart within what we do and get behind our why. And so Tom sat down with us and we went from you know, 10, 11 values that they had initially started and whittled it down to three values based on serving and giving. And our mission reshaped that completely to building better futures one story at a time. And that's really helped us stay the course with Tom at the heart of what we're doing. And so I think for us, once we got around our why and our purpose, the business then just took off even more so. I'm just going to ask you one more time to repeat that why, because that was amazing. Yeah. So building better futures, one story at a time. So what everything we do, we do it with that lens and we do it with the values of be humble, be courageous, be a light. And so we use those values to guide every decision as well. So we gather as a company every month to lift up and make our values actionable. And so we gather for Legos, loving every gift of service. And we say, I'm going to nominate Seth for being courageous in his conversation with a teammate externally. I'm going to nominate 
lose for being being humble and how she dealt with this stressful situation. But those values, Tom, Seth, and I reestablished those and made them actionable. And, and we put our mission at the heart of everything we do. And so when we brought our purpose to life of giving and serving, because we said the more that we grew, the more that we're going to give. And we truly believe and live that. And this is probably where I need to jump in and say, even though we're going to talk about Morales Group more broadly later on in the podcast, they are a staffing and talent management firm who pursues talent wherever that talent may be. And as you heard Jackie touch on earlier, a lot of that is in the Latino and broadly speaking, immigrant community around central Indiana, which for the listeners on the podcast who are not in the area, Indianapolis is not as homogenous as you might think it would be. In fact, in addition to a large and vibrant African-American Latino community, also incredibly large Burmese community Mm -hmm. as well. Actually, the second largest Burmese community outside of Burma, Myanmar, whatever you might want to refer to it as. So that's just a little bit of background for some of the things that you heard Jackie and Seth reference earlier. Kind of following up on that theme, Jackie and Seth, you know, obviously all of us run companies. You know, we have an opportunity to work with a number of incredibly talented people. We are all avowed capitalists. There's nothing wrong with that. But all of us also view a broader social commitment to what it is that we do. Could you maybe touch a little bit on, and either one of you, this is an open question, how you can both do well while doing good and kind of that more broad social construct? Yeah, I can touch on it, Jack. You feel free to add. But just real briefly, I, I think, you know, just at its core, you, you mentioned that we're a staffing agency. I think staffing agencies find jobs. We try to build futures. And this whole idea of being a cause disguised as a business and trying to give back. You know, one example, we had a, a tough 2021 and tough 2020. We still made profit and, and we're still trying to give back. And here's a good example of while we, we had a challenging year and we made profit, we want to find a way to continue and live out our mission. And so we're sending our teams down uh, to go build homes in Mexico this weekend. And then a couple of weeks into February, we're going to send another group down. And so not only do we do that abroad, but we do that here locally. And, you know, I think just that heart of giving and trying to make an impact on the community is really why we do what we do, man. And so it's just, it's kind of filtered in throughout. Um, Jackie mentioned our, our monthly town hall. We call it Legos, loving every gift of service and bringing people together to really kind of filter through why we do what we do. And so this idea of building better futures is really how we try to give back. And there's a lot of different ways. Jackie created uh, with the group, this passport program where you kind of go around the world and you get these stamps just as you would travel. And but it's, it's this idea to kind of personally develop and also give back and you get these serving hours. Uh, and so everything's kind of weaved through intentionally with how do you give back? How do you commit to the, the community? How do you build, you know, through homes or scholarship dollars or through serving on boards? And that's just how we roll. And I think when you have more of a purpose, this kind of cause disguised as a business mindset, it really differentiates and helps get your team behind kind of why you do what you do. Jackie, would you throw anything else on top of that? I think you you nailed it. For us is when we were in grad school together, Seth and I did grad school, we heard Simon Sinek, the why, you know, and, and that was years ago. But that, the why really kind of had light bulbs in our head and we're like, we get it. This is how we can bring passion and vibrancy to our business because 
we're going to gather around the why we do what we do. And so I think what Seth's saying is once we did that, I think we saw it just, it keeps building every little bit that we do that makes an impact. There's something good that spurs from that. And then um, it just keeps building and multiplying. And so I think for us that that was really eye-opening. Both of you kind of touched on authenticity is it's a cliche term, but you, you touched on essentially like who you are as people. And I want to come back to that. But before we get there, all of us are fortunate in that we've had an opportunity to be a part of a family business. And let's just level set. That's a tremendous opportunity. We're incredibly grateful for it. And people who do not work in family businesses don't understand that there is a certain added le- level of dynamic that enters into it. So not only are you adding an additional degree of stress, right? With your relationships with parents, uncles, cousins, whatever it might be, you're you're taking it to a whole nother level. Let's just say by you as a husband and wife work together on a daily basis. So for nothing else in my benefit, how have you navigated that, you know, from the time that, because you both, as you touched on earlier, were there more or less at the beginning of the organization. You know, your professional careers have developed at the same time as your own personal relationship. And I I would just be curious to hear how have you been able to navigate that and how have you been able to make sure that you honor each other as well as honoring your obligation to the broader organization? Jackie? Oh, don't (laughs) I I feel like you you could write a book on this one on all the mistakes we've made to try to figure this thing out. It's been a work in progress for sure, 14 plus years together in the business. But I think there's been a lot of goodness that anytime you work with your spouse, it's kind of like it, it speeds up kind of the, the process of getting to know somebody a lot better because you're not only at home, but you're in the office, you know, around the clock. And a lot of people would have issue with that. Be like, I, I can't work with my wife or can't work with my husband. I hear that a lot. They're like, I would kill myself or kill them. You know, it's not the same. I think Jackie and I, you know, have have differences and we complement each other. She's really good at getting stuff started. I'm good at kind of continuing it on. And she's really great at just activating. And I've got a good kind of just put my head down and run the, the play. And she creates the playbook. So I think that's been kind of a compliment. But, you know, we've learned to try to not bring it home at work, but that's still kind of a work in progress. So we've not figured it out. I'd say we're we're in a good spot right now, but there are seasons where, you know, the last few months were really, really, really shitty. And we had a hard time. Just we had some turnover with key leaders and we we're kind of in the thick of it. And it came home, you know, you know, October, November, December, and it sucked. But then there's also kind of that, Hey, I can, I can step up for you when your, your mindset's not, you know, it, it's in the crap or you're not feeling great. And, you know, we kind of play off each other. So I think there's been some of that. Jackie, feel free to jump in. I mean, it's it's a work in progress. We don't have it figured out. But I think, as Seth had said, you know, where it has been good is that our strengths are in different areas. So the overlap was always something where we could overlap and, and weave together. Whereas if two individuals are more similarly yoked, it would probably be some friction. But for us, I think that that was helpful. We have grown over the years to learn to shut it off. I think the first... <laughs> four to five years, we probably weren't good at that, but we didn't have children, you know, at the time. So at that time, you can kind of keep just plowing through. But as we've added to our family, I think 
we have realized the importance of being able to turn off work and be present and focused in our family life. But it it isn't easy because at times there are times when I'm frustrated about a work decision, but I'm in wife mode. And so I got to leave that frustration. It's that is an art to leave the frustrate like this is my colleague. I'm frustrated with this decision or situation. But at home, I'm in a good spot. So it's a delicate bounce trying to leave it. And it's not always easy for sure. But I think we've, in the last few years, been blessed with some good community and mentors around us to kind of pour into us what to be aware of, what to see as signs of, oh, you know, you need to take a step back. And so that's been a real blessing. You both kind of touched on intentionality there and that we are never the same people or hopefully we should always be looking to learn and grow, right? And you kind of talked about your evolution. And I can only say this as an outsider looking in. One thing, Jack, and you touched on it with family growth is it appears, and from talking to both of you as well as being a amateur social media participant, it appears that you both have intentionally tried to find times throughout the year to disconnect from the work and just focus on the the relationship between either the two of you or your broader family or you and your kids. It, was that something that just organically happened or was that something that you both said, you know, we need to both respect the fact that you, we can't ever get away from work, but that we want to focus on these things? Absolutely. I think we've had to figure that out. I think more so on the um, restoration side of things when we were starting to kind of hit our threshold of not being able to rest our minds and our spirits and the intentionality of unplugging has really come um, full circle in the last probably three years. We weren't great at it before, but we know to be our best selves at home as parents, married, And even in the office, we have to have that rest. And it's been, you know, there's been some hard bumps along the way to figure that out, you know, some derailing of just energy. But I think there is a lot of intention. And I'll tell you, we weren't good at it, taking vacations and and finding time in the beginning. (laughs) I don't know if you've had anything to add to that, Seth. No, it's good. I mean, we, we suck at making time to restore and recharge and Jackie and I share the same executive coach. I mean, go figure. It's funny. But our executive coach, she said to me yesterday, she was like, you've got too much on your plate. And I I know she's had the same conversation with Jackie, with boards and other, you know, communities and groups. We have not figured that out. But I think with the COVID and pandemic and spending more time over the last year and a half and just being a little bit more intentional as a family, we're getting there. I think there's just kind of been a good kind of reset and perspective for us to, to figure out, all right, this does not have to define who we are. Uh, it haunts us everywhere we go. It just, it's, it's a part, your name's on the building, our name's on the building. It is what it is, but you can, you can create boundaries and, and find ways to, to work around that. And that's what we're trying to do right now. We all are striving to get there. And I know my wife is going to listen to this podcast. Susan, I love you. I'm not there. And (laughs) I try to be the same person at work as I am at home. And sometimes those things are challenging. So Mm -hmm. yeah, it's a struggle for all of us. But getting back to the authenticity thing that we touched on earlier, both of you as well as your father, every interaction I've ever had with any one of you, you seem to be the same people all the time. 
in that your values at work, you know, reflect your personal values, the values of the company reflect your own values. And then you have in turn attracted team members who believe in where you were going. Presumably when the company was founded, doing good was secondary to doing well, probably. I, I would just be curious to hear a little bit since both of you, as well as your father have been there since the beginning. How quickly did that pivot from creating a company to kind of creating, not a lifestyle, that's the wrong thing, but to creating more of a broader impact? When the minority partner, Tom's first co-founder, uh, once we went different directions and we became fully owned as a, as a Morales family business, that is when we knew we could use this business almost like a ministry as an opportunity to... Um, to serve and build community and give. And it's what we wanted to do. But when you have two different owners, they just have different value sets and that's okay. Not faulting one way or the other, but it's hard to move in the, in the same direction towards some of the purposeful things that we wanted to do to build up the community around us and the community inside. So I think it was when that parting ways happened. And we're like, this business is a ministry. It's an opportunity to pour into people and to, to light and ignite their hearts with serving others. Cause that, and, and it's what we believe is what we're called here to do. Seth, I don't know what else you would add to that. Just one quick comment. I think once we, we kind of got evenly yoked with um, ownership and alignment with our, our why and our values, our business exploded. And I share that often. We went from you know so many millions in revenue to we had some just phenomenal growth for a, for about a decade, where we just kind of took off like a rocket ship. And a lot of it had to do with core values and our mission statement were all just like clear, and everyone was marching to the same beat. And I credit a lot of that kind of Simon Sinek, the why, that talk that we did an offsite retreat with kind of a leadership group to kind of reset that and. That was when Tom and Jackie and I got together in 2012, and it's been been fun seeing that take shape. Yeah, I, I just for other entrepreneurs, actually, or individuals, anyone listening to this, I would highly encourage you, if you haven't read or seen, just Google Simon Sinek, The Why. We went through that exercise. It took much, much longer than I thought it would do. It's been impactful, and our why is we're here to help with your adventure. You know, we have five guiding principles that kind of cascade down from that. It's a great exercise to go through. One question before we pivot to the lightning round, and this is kind of esoteric and out there, but you have two sons. It is a family company. If you had to say in 40 years, what is the Morales Group doing? And more importantly, do you see either or both of your children being involved? That's a good question, man. Maybe I'll jump in and then Jackie add... I talked to a, another fellow, I think he's G2 leader in our city, Andrew, and he has a really, really good sized company, minority owned. And he talked about looking at his business as a century later. You know, he had this long, long view. And for Jackie and I, I think our mindset is always to kind of keep the business, you know, long term. That's why when we worked with you guys, I, I admired what you and your dad and uh, the generations before that. You're, are you fourth generation or fifth? Fifth. So, I mean, there's probably like two fifth generation companies in Indiana, probably. I'm just like, it's just rare, but there's so much social good and impact that you can do year over year. And so for me, it's not about exiting and 
kind of having a big payday. It's about, you know, how can we continue a legacy of impact and do good with that? And you can do that in a lot of different ways. But for me, I think the long-term thought was to kind of keep this. And with the kids, I don't know. I really don't know. That That's a tough one. Now that I'm kind of in that seat, I see, you know, one kid having, you know, a skill set and another kid having a different skill set, just trying to be fair and now trying to feel like my dad because I have a brother and then I have a, a wife in the business and we're at a leadership level uh, the three of us and you know just trying to figure that out so Jackie what are your thoughts like w- would Sebi Mateo would you plug them in and then do you want to just sell the business and move on or do you want to keep it for a long time so looking ahead I would say we had this session two years ago, just some vision casting. What do we want to be 40, 50, 60 years from now? And Seth and I were some of the ones I said, I'd like us to be the largest minority owned business that gives the most away. And Seth, you said, what did you say? Something similar, but there was an economic value to it. Right. But in, in some ways, so I think I keep seeing how we can build upon this, not just in this lane, but other lanes and have opportunities for our team to move up and to build their future, our internal team. And so what other lanes can we start building out that actually makes it a path for for individuals? Because we have great talent that joins us, but then, you know, we also they want to get some other experience in a, in a different industry or in a different way. And how phenomenal would it be if we could, we could be the premier place to be able to do that and move them along. Um, So for me, I see us being able to, to do that. Now with the children, I don't know. I think the only way that I would be open to it is if they started out from the ground up and really earn their stripes. I think for us, what's helpful, like Seth, Luke and myself, you know, we've, Luke's worked um, on the line in, in our warehouse facility. Seth and I started, you know, out pounding the streets, knocking on doors for sales. And so I think all of those lessons have really shaped and molded us and made us appreciate where we are. And so what I wouldn't want is to be able to just take the two dudes, our two guys, and just say, okay, we're going to move you into this. I want them working hand in hand, figuring it out. So I would be open to it. If I can paraphrase what I just heard you both say is you have had the opportunity to move to more of a steward of the mission. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of family businesses that are multi-generational view it that way, that yes, you can build something and sell it and there, there's no, no harm, no foul. It's a fine thing for a lot of people to do. But when you start thinking about longevity, it becomes more of a I'm here for something that's more than just me. It doesn't mean you can't do well, but it's it it changes the way you think about things. So mm-hmm. thank yeah. you both for the candor there. So moving to the lightning round, and normally I ask each of you four questions, but the tweak this lightning round is I'm going to ask each of you four questions that you have to answer for the other person. So I'm not looking to uh, create any friction or candor other than just, I'm just curious to see where, where we go with this. So Jackie, I will start with you. What would we find on Seth's car radio? You would find probably a song that our five-year-old requested as he was dropping him off for school. So they'll do like, we will, we will rock you. <laughs> <laughs> And Seth, how about in Jackie's car? Jackie's got like everything. You might hear jazz, you might hear salsa, you might hear 
Moringa. I, I'm, she's got like anything and everything, poppy stuff. It's just, it depends. Like Dave Brubeck, she'll go like old school. You might have Jay-Z, Beyonce. I mean, it's just, she's got a wide range. So right now, if you turned it on, I don't know, maybe Dave Matthews. That's kind of her like, you got a little yeah. Dave in you that, that kind of annoys me, but it's all good. <laughs> so. Hey, every, everybody needs a guilty pleasure. I do. Yeah. We've, we've all been there at one point or another. So, uh, so Seth, the second question, I'll, I'll start off with you. What would we find from a book or e-reader perspective on Jackie's bedside table? Oh my gosh. It would be an e-reader, but it, it'd be on her phone. And she reads, she's probably read, I'd say 20 books in the last five days. She's just like voraciously reading right now. She's into uh, fiction. She'll read like a mystery novel, some sort of spy novel. What was it? Mexican Gothic. What was that thing? I don't know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that wasn't a good, you didn't really enjoy it. It was kind of a New York Times bestseller, but she's into any type of fictional book right now that kind of allows her to escape kind of the craziness that's going on at work, but always like hunched over reading her her book. (laughs) You can see the glow. She stays up till like midnight because she can't sleep. So, it's, but she's crazy reader, crazy, crazy reader right now. Hey, we are big fans of literacy. So uh, reading is good. Jackie, how about, I'm getting a sense of where you're going to go with this, but what would you find on Seth's bedside table or e-reader? <laughs> the Atomic Habit, Intentional Father um, is one. So a lot of either business or leadership focused books, or he, in the last six months, has been intentional on his faith walk. And so how that translates into the kiddos. So the intentional father, that's a really good one. Yeah. Well, thank you. And Seth, there's no harm in fiction. Give it a, give it a, give it a shot. All right. So this will be a mutual question. And if you argue with each other, that's fine. But, and again, there are no wrong answers, just long answers. So cats or dogs? Cats. Uh, dogs. But what do we have? A lot of cats. We have two cats. <laughs> and uh, we're planning on a, a dog for quarter one. So we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> Again, no wrong answers. So the, the last one, and Jackie, I will start with you on this one. This one is a little bit more serious. What is one of the best pieces of advice you've ever been given? Now, like when you ask that, that everything comes crashing into your mind of just the different people that have made an impact. Why don't I shoot real quick? Okay. Yeah. So why don't you go with uh, one of the best pieces of advice you've ever been given? I had another family owned CEO, privately held business leader tell me that it's never fair in family owned business. There's always going to be somebody who puts in more work than another sibling or teammate uh, that, that might be a part of the family. That has stuck with me for a while. Not that I'm like, the godsend that puts in all the work, but there's just, there's some inequity there and it's just, it's a part of the deal and you kind of have to live with it a little bit and suck it up. And when I heard that, I I stopped complaining and feeling sorry for myself and just kind of got back to work and knew that it's just kind of is what it is in in some ways and you just move forward. So probably not what you wanted to hear, man, but that was kind of some advice that has been helpful for me. The question was one of the best pieces of advice, not the best. So uh, (laughs) Jackie, if you need another minute, I mean, one of the best pieces of advice I've always tried to live by is I had a former colleague who's since retired who said, if a colleague asks you for a minute, you always have a minute and you can always make time no matter how busy you are. So I try to keep that in mind and keep my door open and and try to live by that. But that's really uh, Jackie, how about you? I would say, so this is more in relation to as a female leader, 
and just coming up through the ranks. And so this was a male mentor of mine who brought me to some different boards and helped me find my voice. And he just encouraged me. He's like, always be the first to say something in the board meeting because there are a lot of loud voices. And he's like, I know that there are a lot of men around the table. And as a young female Latina, write your your note down and be the first to say something because you won't get an opportunity. And so um, he he helped me in a lot of ways, just find my voice as a, as a young professional and got me opportunities that um, I would not had he not believed in me. So. Well, I'm glad to hear he advocated for you. Mm-hmm. And the irony of somebody who's hosting a podcast saying this is not lost on me, but men like to hear themselves talk. So I'm, <laughs> I, I'm glad that uh, that he spoke up on, mm-hmm. on your behalf there. So quick segue before giving you an opportunity to share with listeners more about where they can learn more about Morales Group. But so many of the topics that we touched on today are incredible, unintentional segues to the last episode that we'll have in season two of The Growth Adventure with Nick S. Morelli with Goodellnet, um, nice. who is going to talk about a lot of things, but I know we're going to touch on the B Corp philosophy and concept. So again, thank you for unintentionally helping lead the podcast season in that direction. So with that, I will turn it over to both of you. What would be a two-sentence plug for Morales Group, as well as where could people learn more about it? Yeah, so the, the quickest way, just Google Morales Group Staffing. We are always open and, and willing to help. I hang out on LinkedIn, so you can connect with me and direct message me on LinkedIn. Just Seth Morales on the LinkedIn search. Jackie, how would you want to be contacted? <laughs> you can text me. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't hang out on LinkedIn as much as Seth. And so I would say, you know, you can find us, message me on Instagram, find us on Instagram and all the social media platforms. We've got our team rallied around it. Well, Jackie and Seth Morales, the Morales Group, thank you both for your candor. Thank you for humoring my random stream of consciousness questions. And I wish you and the Morales Group nothing but the best. Well, thank you. This was fun. Awesome. Take care. Thank you.